Factory Stock Podcast is back. A Champions Edition. Hello, everyone. I'm Joe Costello. And yes, it has been a crazy 2020 season of the Samtech.edu Factory Stock Showdown. Shortened and truncated and moved all over the map. But we got it in. And we have got an opportunity to speak with the champ. He won five of six races on the season, a breakout year that saw him get his first win in pro stock. But it was the factory stock championship that was such a big deal and we'll be talking about today. Aaron Stanfield will join us on this show and we'll dive in to the 2020 Samtech.edu factory stock showdown season. Also on the show, Brian Massengill from Samtech.edu going to recap the season, look ahead to the future, and we are going to get into it. For all of you out there who have listened to this podcast over the past couple of years, we thank you. It has been tremendous to bring you the stars and people behind the scenes of Factory Stock Showdown. So let's get on with it and bring on the champ. Joining us now, your 2020 Samtech.edu Factory Stock Showdown champion, Mr. Aaron Stanfield. Aaron, welcome back, champ. How are you? Good, Joe. Thanks for having me on again. Oh, thrilled again, right? That's the word, again and again. What a year. I know you've been coming on the scene and having great success, but this year, how does it get better? Then five of six in showdown, winning the championship, dominating, getting your first pro stock win, cars you've tuned, da- David Janik going to the final round. You really got it all. I think a top dragster uh, divisional championship in there somewhere. Uh, what a year. It was uh, It was for sure one of those dream years. Um, I mean, it is, it's definitely a result of a, a lot of hard work and, you know, a lot of good people around me. And it was just, it was one of those years. I'm right about that top dragster divisional championship, right? Yes. I was able to clinch the D4 top dragster uh, divisional championship as well. Hear that, folks? Kind of, kind, of, uh, kind of a good thing when your top dragster divisional championship is like way down the list of accomplishments. <laughs> Congratulations, Aaron. Uh, let's dive into it, though, for the folks out there. You are the champ. You won five of six races. Yes, we know that the Cobra Jets decided to not run the whole second half of the season, and I get and understand why, but we've got to celebrate the people who did race, and you were pretty dominant towards the end, obviously, to win five of six and getting the power to the ground. So it's the end of the year. Nothing you tell us now is going to be useful in March. How did you do it? Um, you know, we just we we got off to we got off to a really good start at at the first race and just lost a good race against Chris Holbrook. And um, you know, we came back and worked some more, went testing some more, and uh, we were just able to carry them that momentum with my car. Just you know, I, I don't during eliminations. I don't think I uh, had to abort one run. I um, made it made it down the track just about every or every single every single round of eliminations except for the uh, round against david kramer in uh, dallas where my car shut off at around or past a thousand foot um, but other than that we made it was just it was on a string and it was responding to the changes we were making and it just resulted in into several good days big victories good days and i can't imagine the U.S. Nationals victory doesn't stand out above them, but I want your your uh, 
words on that. What r- sticks out to me is that I saw you guys, and I got to go down and see the the whole team. And I don't know if people understand the significance of the effort, like how many people you guys have got helping you and to see everybody feeling good after that. That was a really big deal for me. But just talk about some of the unique wins, um, in particular, the U.S. Nationals. Um, in particular, the U.S. Nationals, uh, you know, not necessarily with me driving, but um, as far as the cars I've worked on, we've been we've been close several times there and winning in the showdown class and uh, just never been able to close that one out. Um, and, and, you know, it was just it was cool to have have all the guys there and just it was it was a heck of a day. It, my car was running super fast and I was doing a good enough job behind the wheel to get it done. And, um, you know, whenever we started the year, my goal was to obviously we want to win a championship, but the first goal is to win a race. Um, so for the U.S. Nationals to be my first win in, in the factory uh, stock showdown was was pretty cool. And to also be able to join my dad as a U.S. National winner was was also another, uh, you know, cool accomplishment. So it, that was the first one was probably uh you know the one that stood out to me the first the most um just just because of how prestigious that race race is and that's that's the super bowl of drag racing so it was it was cool to get that win no you guys were fired up and uh you you mentioned the the first race of the season uh let's let's take a second to think about what a crazy year it was you didn't even know when you were going to race you guys were unloaded in Gainesville thinking we were going to have a normal season we did not um, you know, many emotional miles covered through the whole pandemic situation. You did finally get going. You mentioned the race against Holbrook. I remember thinking about that. You left the line first and he, you know, thundered on by. And then we got what felt like some normalcy for a while. U.S. Nationals, then Gainesville. You got to the final round and then things kind of got crazy again. The final round had to be moved to to Dallas. Then you go to St. Louis. How did you handle all of that? Um, the the negotiation of where to run and and all. Take me behind the scenes a little bit with that because you know as an end user, you tell me where the race is going to be and I I watch. You guys had to figure it all out with your competitors and with the series. That must have been complex. It was luckily luckily for me I was you know, planning on being at every race, every national event anyways. Um, and then the Gator, the Gators final round was between David and I, uh, at a, at a home, at a home, you know, basically a home racetrack. So that, that was, that was simple enough to finish the Gainesville final round in Dallas. And, uh, you know, everybody got together at St. Louis and every, everyone came to an agreement to just, uh, finish, finish that race in Houston and, you know, it definitely definitely gets complicated when you start when you start having those um, those days to where races have to be postponed or moved to another racetrack or things like that. But you know, it was it was definitely it it was a, it was a little weird, but it it uh, it all worked out. Yeah, it, well, it was very weird and hard to follow. <laughs> and that's it, people who subscribe to this podcast a couple of years ago, and we had you know a preview episode and a post episode with the winner. Uh, you know, last year, Drew Skillman was the star of the show. This year, you were the star of the show. But, but this was so challenging because we had final rounds and double races, and it just it, it, we didn't get the season that we would have loved. 
the one that was on the schedule in January where you guys had pretty much a race every few weeks, right? It was like a race every t- three weeks yes. or so. Man, that would have been great. But in the end, <laughs> you are you are the champ. So talk a little bit about the competition, how you saw it um, change with the rules changes. And NHRA had a goal. They told us what the goal was. Not everybody agreed with the goal. Those last couple of races felt like they were getting close to where they wanted to be with the manufacturers, the Dodges. I know they got a new car coming. I know uh, Kevin Skinner with his Cobra Jet was right in the area. You did seem to have a little bit of an advantage over the other Chevrolets, but you're the champ. That's what happens with champs. They have an advantage. Um, Talk a little bit about how you felt the competition was once we got moving. The, the competition was, was definitely, uh, you know, it was tough. Um, if you, if you go back and look at, uh, all, all of my, or a lot of my races, um, I had, I had several close races that, that could have, you know, could have got gone either way. Um, you know, I think things would have been a lot different if you add, you know, three more Mustangs to the mix or, or however many more Mustangs to the mix. Um, you know, that, I think that would, uh, that would, you know, shake things up a little bit. And, um, you know, I think Kevin Skinner made some good progress and, you know, at Gainesville, him and I ran, and I think, I think, um, we were then within one hundredth of a second at the, uh, at the finish line. So it goes to show you that, you know, at the, at that race, we were, we had, I think we had made one of the best Chevrolet elapsed times and he made one of his best elapsed times and they ended up being very close. Um, and I think the Dodgers really started to, uh, you know, they they did a good job this year and made a lot of good runs. Just in time for a new uh, car with those guys, though, <laughs> to, to throw it all <laughs> off, uh, right? Yeah. Like, we, hey, we finally got there. But uh, in the end, though, you had the year uh, above everyone else. But you, you also helped the Janik brothers get to a final round and uh, win a pro stock race. Talk a little bit about that side of it in that. These guys have been around. They make a huge investment. I don't want to say they're unsung heroes because with you guys, they're certainly sung heroes. But to give you the opportunity to run and win in pro stock, for you to help them get to a final round, like that's a nice symbiotic relationship that's going on. The uh, the Janik brothers, they're some they're some awesome guys, and I'm very very blessed with the opportunities they've they've both given me. And uh, you know, it's it was really cool to be able to, you know, do our part and, uh, help, help David get, get to the final round. And, um, you know, I think even at the U S nationals, he, we, we had a pretty good shot there as well. So, you know, we had, we had some good opportunities and, um, you know, it was just really, really cool to, to be able to help him accomplish, uh, that dream of his as well. I know it means, I know it means the world to him. So, um, to David. So it's, it was, it was pretty cool to get to experience that at Dallas to get to race him in the final round and to see both of Joe's Joe Janik's cars in the final round. That's a, I mean, that's, that's a heck of a day. And, um, so they're just, there's some awesome guys and they've given me a wonderful opportunity and I, I hope it continues and, uh, I hope we can continue our, our success as well. Yeah, let's talk about that. Uh, All right. You know, first of all, I just want everybody to know that just because the calendar turns, 
doesn't mean that everything is going to go back to normal. And I know you all know that. We all know that. But we just got to kind of prepare ourselves mentally. But things are definitely getting more positive. And the idea of going back to a schedule that is predetermined where there's fans and attendance, more, more fans, as many fans as want to come, like I, I, we can see that. It's, it's, we're going to get there. So let's talk 2021 and what are your plans. Uh, give us the whole gamut. But in particular, focus on Factory Stock Showdown. Um, this next year, we're gonna gonna continue racing Pro Stock Factory Stock Showdown, and if the schedule works out, I would um, attempt to run a full schedule as Top Dragster as well. Um, but with the Factory Stock Showdown, I'll I'll still be racing the Copo I was driving this last year, and uh, you know we're still working here at the shop this winter and trying to find some more power. We've already been testing. Um, you know, always trying to get better for sure. Um, but I'm looking forward to, you know, I, I enjoy seeing the manufacturers staying involved and like the Dodge and putting out a new combination. Um, I think that's, that's really what's going to dri- drive this class is, is manufacturer involvement, racer involvement and, and keeping those, you know, new combinations rolling. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I, with, uh, NHRA's goal in mind to try to, try to even the playing field so to speak um i don't think it's a bad thing for for manufacturers to produce new combinations um so i uh i hope the fords come out and some more of those fords come out and join us and and uh can continue the growth of the class yeah i i agree like that that was a bummer but i i don't you know this is your championship and so 30 years from now when you're an old uh, man looking at your trophy case, it's going to be very, well, you're laughing. It's, you know, God willing, right? You're going to be looking back after a great career and you're going to think about this year. And I don't know if you're going to think about the struggle, but this is going to be very meaningful and positive. Uh, Like however it happened, right? We got it in and you won the championship. And like, it's, it's hard to overstate that, that whatever the grind was, you guys ground through it. For sure. Yes. Uh, you know, of course, all the coronavirus made things, uh, you know, made things complicated and a lot of uh, uncertainties. Uh, luckily, our guys stuck, you know, stuck with us and we were able to continue to work. And, um, you know, we we spent all a lot of that time just continuing to try to get better and prepare for the year we were fixing to have or the uncertain year anyways. It was very uncertain. So final point standings, you won with 681. David Barton, who uh, you know, made a big comeback this year. Like David Barton had a very quick and fast hot rod towards the end of the year that it looked like they have uh, re-emerged, and he was some strong competition, was second, Mark Powick third, Jesse Alexandra fourth, Archie fifth, Arthur Cohn, David Janik sixth, Doug Hamp seventh, and uh, John Serbone eighth. Stephen Bell ninth. That was uh, I know Stephen probably disappointed with that. And David Kramer getting into the top ten. Leah just outside in eleventh. When you hear those names, who concerns you the most as a potential rival in twenty twenty one? Um, you know, of course I, I do. I do think the Dodgers are going to have. Uh, you know, they're they're going to be a force to be reckoned with at the begin at the beginning of the year, no doubt. Um, or or throughout the whole entire year perhaps um and uh of course all, all the barton cars are always you know when we go up to the line we know 
we know we're going to have to uh, give it our best because they're going to be giving our best. And I think, um, you know, both teams kind of feed off of that competitive energy. And um, I, I enjoy, I enjoy all, all of the, all of that competition. Um, and that's, that's what continues to make all of us get better. Um, but, you know, hats off to the Barton guys. They, they really stepped it up towards the end of the year and they were making some really good runs. I think me and David had two really close races those last two races. Absolutely, and I know there's got to be a little Sam Tech graduate rivalry going on with your guys. Uh, was it Coloner? And I know Travis over there yep. at Barton. Coloner and Travis, yeah. Coloner and Travis. Can you shed some light on what that is like, the Sam Tech graduate factory stock showdown rivalries? It's really, really, really cool to see somebody um, around my age um, I, I grew up, I was, you know, I grew up around it. My dad, um, you know, he did it my whole entire life. So it, it was almost like fate for me, but they, they, um, you know, they went to school for it and, and, uh, it's just cool to see to see young guys have that much passion for it. Um, you know, Travis works really hard and he's, he's done an awesome job with the, the cars he tunes on. And, uh, so, so of the guys that work here at our shop, um, you know, they don't just work on the showdown stuff. We've got several other engines we build here at Stanford Racing Engines. And, um, you know, we've all learned a lot, and it's been been really cool to experience that for sure. Very cool. Yeah, I like to think about the Samtech students, and I'm sure many of them listen. Travis Hilger, he, he's, uh, you know, crew chiefing multiple cars out there, and they all went in the right direction. Jesse Alexander, for instance, all went in the right direction. Your guys, wins and championships, great season for a lot of people out there. Uh, what would you say to the fan base, Aaron, as we get ready for the holidays? I'll ask you about your Christmas thought for everybody or early 2021, turn of the new year thought after this. But like to the fans who this year, of course, things went sideways. We didn't have as many Fords as we wanted, but we know what the goal is. And hopefully they will come back uh, understanding what we're trying to do, what NHRA, not we, what NHRA is trying to do with the category. But what would you say to those fans out there after this great season, a great season for you personally? But, you know, some people were feeling like, ah, you know, maybe things are sideways right now. Um, you know, this year was definitely a challenge on, you know, many aspects. Um, but, you know, stick with it. Um, stick with the class. It's, I mean, it's a really class, and in my opinion, it's one of the, the last classes in drag rating, right, racing that's uh, still relatable, you know, somewhat relatable to the, to the common fan. And, um, you know, the, the class was intended to, to have manufacturers produce new combinations um, with that, with that, uh, you know, target ET, whether everyone agrees with it or not, that is, uh, you know, that's been their statement from the beginning. Um, but I think it's, uh, you know, the class will continue to, to get cooler and see some better racing with, uh, manufacturers continuing to put in new combinations and, and, uh, to see if we can gain some, some new racers in the class. And, um, as, as long as we can have a good, good, healthy year next year with, you know, not hopefully not any interruptions in our schedule. It'll be a it'll be a good year of racing. Exactly, exactly. And uh, you know, I think about the Target ET, and that does have some people bummed out. But it's not like super comp mm-hmm. where cars can go seven eighties and they slow down to eight nineties, uh, six eighties actually. Um, but, but there's been a lot of talk about it on my WFO Radio podcast. 
had Alan Reinhardt on, we were just talking about, you know, a 3,500-pound car going 180 miles per hour. It's just not natural. You've driven a lot of stuff, a lot of lightweight stuff, a lot of really fast stuff. You drive the pro stock car. Can you try to put it into words for people who are listening, even your fellow racers? Like, people can go buy these cars, man. Seven, uh, you know, 50s, 40s, 30s, like those ETs at 3,500 pounds. That's where the physics of the, of the situation become a challenge. And obviously, that's the reason NHRA mm-hmm. is thinking what they are thinking. Um, you know, I, I definitely I understand it from a safety standpoint. I mean, uh, when you're driving these cars, even even at 170 um, you know, accelerating to that in a quarter mile, quarter mile, you can, you can, you can feel the weight going down the racetrack. I mean, it's, you're, you're pushing a lot of weight down the racetrack on a really small tire. Um, you know, is if you were to have a high speed, you know, high speed collision with another car or the wall, you know, 3,500 pounds going 170, it's already not going to be, you know, it, it, it wouldn't be the greatest thing to happen for sure. Um, I'm definitely, I wouldn't, you know, this is just myself. I wouldn't be opposed to, you know, going seven forties at 180 in one of them. But, um, do I think it's the smartest thing to do? Probably not necessarily the smartest thing to do, but, um, you know, a hundred, 180, 180 miles an hour, 180 plus and a 3,500 pound cars. That's, that's really moving. And it's hard. It's hard for, it's hard for that to be put in perspective um, from that from the outside. It is well, exactly. I, you know, I'm around it a lot. I can't <laughs> I can't understand it. I do not have perspective on 3,500 pounds accelerating uh, zero to 185 miles per hour in 7.9 seconds. It's just crazy. It's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and you know what? I would love to see that 740 run with you in it also uh, against I, Holbrook I would, or Drew. I would I would absolutely do it, um, but. You know, as a as a you know a total view of the class from a safety standpoint for everyone, I don't know if it it's the smartest uh, the smartest route to take. But I would absolutely do it if we were if everybody were to get on board with it. Well, exactly, <laughs> and I appreciate you saying that. And it also has something to do with you've been driving race cars since you were able to drive race cars and driving talent. A lot of people think you just get in the car and turn the key and go straight, and it's great, and it goes fast, and it's fun. And that's not the situation at all. You have to control these things, and that control comes from talent and ability. And uh, you know, this is a it's it's just a very tough call, you know, because I want to see you go seven forties too, man. <laughs> it would be amazing. But I also understand where they're coming from with this being a factory category that people can aspire to go out and buy and get in and get involved. Um, I, I get it. I get the whole uh, situation. All right, final thought from Aaron Stanfield, the twenty twenty Samtech.edu factory stock showdown champ. We're getting ready to go into the holidays. Uh, tell me a little bit about that holidays turn of the new year what do you got planned what are your uh what's your new year's message for everybody my new year's message uh let's let's get back to drag racing for sure that would be the new year's message but i hope everyone has a merry christmas and a healthy one and um you know we're just we're at the shop currently working right now our typical off-season grind and um you know we're going to enjoy the holidays with some friends and family and we're going to you know be ready to get back racing january 1st Super excited. Uh, unfortunate, but fortunate. Like, we start at the Gator Nationals next year. Yes, it's not going to be quite January 1st. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, you guys can start whenever you want and start we're, getting ready. We're going to be 
We're going to be ready anyways. There you go. Aaron, thank you very much. Congratulations on winning the championship, five of six, and the pro stock race. That cannot be overlooked to jump up into pro stock and win a race there. It's going to bring attention to factory stock and all the cross-pollination that goes on, Dave Kramer and, and uh, you know, Bo Wenny races, all of those things. Really good for these factory cars. Absolutely love them. And thank you for being so helpful with this podcast. Uh, factory Stock Podcast has been fantastic and uh, really appreciate the fact we're able to celebrate your championship. Always a pleasure, pleasure, Joe. Thank you for having me on. Thank you, Aaron. Aaron Stanfield, the champ. 2020 gets it done, wins a pro stock race as well. And oh, by the way, that top dragster divisional title. The kid is uh, up and coming. I think he has arrived. Congratulations to Aaron Stanfield, his dad, of course, Greg, and everybody out there at Stanfield Racing Engines. And to all of the Factory Stock Showdown competitors in 2020, thank you. Thank you so much. I enjoy this category so much and even if you're not a competitor you're just a fan who loves it and listens to the podcast well we appreciate you as well we got something really cool going on here thanks to the folks at samtech.edu speaking of which or of whom he joins us now mr brian massengill brian welcome back how are you I'm doing well, Joe. How about yourself? I'm great. I'm great. Aaron Stanfield just left us off with a wonderful Christmas message and New Year uh, thought about going forward and getting back to drag racing uh, this time of year. You know, December, everybody's going crazy. I'm glad you're able to make a little time for the Factory Stock Showdown audience out there so we can put a exclamation point or period on this 2020 season. It was tough, but we got it in. We did. You know, um, uh, 75% of the races, which that's better than a lot of other uh, racers and, and everything else that their their classes. Um, we, we did a better job of getting more races in, I think, than a lot of other sanctioning bodies and a lot of other um, uh, classes in the NHRA. And, and, you know, I really appreciate everything the NHRA did to, to let us get back to racing. Um, you know, even being in St. Louis and getting one round of qualifying in and the weather turning on everybody and, uh, then moving that race to our home track down here in Houston at uh, um, Houston Raceway Park presented by Pennzoil. You know, Seth, uh, I, I texted with Seth and with Austin about getting uh, letting us race there and kind of make up that St. Louis race uh, and saw it as an opportunity to get our students uh, out to the track uh, and, and kind of see these cars firsthand and see what some of their uh, some of the Sam tech graduates were working on and, and really kind of putting it all together. Uh, it was kind of a special moment. It, it, it was fun to see the students kind of realizing and understanding it firsthand, as opposed to just kind of watching videos on YouTube or whatever they were doing, uh, beforehand to keep up with this class, listening to this podcast, obviously. But, um, that was, that was great. Uh, you know, it, it, obviously it, it's a bummer that we lost two of the races, but we, we made the best of it. And, and obviously Aaron Stanfield, and everyone over in that Stanfield team made uh, made the best of, of everything. Um, when that championship, the, in the fashion that they did, really showed their dominance. And um, uh, hats off to, to Aaron and, and the entire team over there um, on what they were able to accomplish this season. I know that's a that's a championship they've been looking for uh, really since we've been part of this class, and they've been racing in it. Well, exactly. He gets his first win in category, which was surprising that it. It took this long, but not. It's just it's got to go your way. 
And this year, they all went his way. The close races, the races of a hundredth of a second, they all went his way, and he wins the championship. And even when he wasn't winning, he was doing great things with the Janik brothers, helping tune cars to the final rounds and coming out on the uh, on the good end of close races. But, hey, you mentioned Austin, and he's a Samtech grad as well, right? Like, it was a good year for Samtech grads. We were just speaking with Aaron about Colliner and uh, his their rivals, uh, Travis Hilger, and over at Barton, and the yep. category uh, is— Connor and Colin, both over at, uh, at Stanfield there. Yes. Um, yeah, Colin. Both of them, but yeah, they, <laughs> they, um, they, they, they do— It is a little bit of a rivalry, obviously, um, between— because they were at the school at the same time, and, and uh, you know, they were, they were helping out. All of them were helping out on Archie's car, and that's kind of where the introduction to Stanfield kind of came from when, when Archie went over there, and—, and um, you know, I I'd known David for a few years uh, running these copos and everything, and I know that he was in drag packs forever. So I, I've known David for a long time, and Travis getting up there, kind of uh, doing a great job in his interview and, and working so well with his the cars that he works with. You know, those the the Barton team really made some strides. Um, saw some great driving. Every everybody kind of stepped up their game um, in those cars. Everybody, I mean, it's it's everywhere, right? Like it's it's the seat time and you're getting more comfortable and you're understanding how everybody else races everything. And it was just, it, it was a great season. And, and I think next year is going to be even better um, with the package that Dodge is going to get. Hopefully we'll get some forwards back and, and hopefully um, everybody's still on their game the way that they were this year. I mean, it was just Aaron, like you said, it was just kind of a special season for Aaron and he, he could do no wrong. Um, I, I mean, against, uh, 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 David Kramer, you know, his car shut off at the thousand or whenever it shut off and he barely won that race, but he got it done. I mean, if it had been a hundred feet earlier, uh, maybe even 50 feet earlier, that would have been David Kramer's win. And, and he kind of wasn't having the best day himself, but whenever, when it's your year, when it's your race, it's, it's, it's going to be your season. And, and Aaron showed that this year, it's not just luck though. It, it's preparation. And the way that that Stanfield team prepares, I, I don't think that there's anybody that's doing more than they are uh, i'm not saying that teams aren't doing as much but man they they are prepared for pretty much everything over on that sandfield side absolutely and it's very exciting um i know there's people listening though and they're like yeah but you know we didn't have a bunch of fords there etc what, what do you say to that i i say racing is about the people who show up not the people who don't show up and that's something that i heard and i like you know i didn't even come up with it <laughs> but i i hadn't heard that but no that's it um you know i i've i've had racers telling me oh when i get my uh, my car together we're gonna kick everybody's ass i'll just wait i'll just wait well we're still waiting um you know there's there's a lot of people that that um, I know they had other priorities and especially this year, I'm not making fun of anybody or, or talking down on anybody, but um, I, I can't really concern myself with the racers who aren't at the races and what it, the people that came out and supported the class and, and uh, ran in the class this year uh, gave it everything they had. And Aaron just did it better than everybody else. Um, so not if, if there was somebody that could have beaten them and they chose not to show up, well, that's, that's kind of silly in my book, but Hey, um, Aaron, Aaron was the cream of the crop this year. That whole Sandfield team was, and, and, um, not to take away from many of the other teams, but man, um, we hadn't seen kind of dominating fashion like that since, um, well, maybe last year, but, 
Um, you know, David Barton did kind of a similar thing a few years ago when we were our own class, the first season we were our own class, he was our first champion and he kind of ran away with everything until, uh, I think he lost one race that year. So it's, um, it's been a fun evolution for this class and everything else that we've seen. Um, and like I said, it's just the racing's getting so much better. It's so tight and so close. And in, in any, any moment it, it can be anybody's day. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's been real fun. Very exciting. And so let's speak on that a little bit in that uh, you guys have been here since the beginning, the launch of this new class, a new class in drag racing, new style of race car in that it's, uh, you know, it's a stalker, but not really. There was the year where uh, we had naturally aspirated cars going up against blower cars and it was confusing. And then they, they decided, which was a very smart decision and i want you to dive in and and explain like where you guys came into the fold as Samtech. but once you got rid of the combination of aspirated not and 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 blower cars and realized like let's make this a heads up blower car category and show the cars that everybody really wants to see that's when it took off well yeah so we came in i want to say i kind of was having conversations with the nhra um, lightly starting in about 2014 about, Hey, you know, we want to do something. We've got all these students that are involved and, and so many graduates and you know, what, what can we do? And so we were having these conversations and then um, at SEMA one year, I want to say it must've been 2015. Cause I think our first year was 2016. Um, you know, we, they, they're like, Hey, you run in this showdown class. And I did when I was in a naturally aspirated Copo um, and you know, we, we were running that and kind of running around the country. And, and I guess our first year um, when I don't remember it was three or four races, but anyway, make a long story short, NHRA, we, we signed that contract. And then after we signed the contract, the NHRA kind of tells us, Hey, by the way, we're going to make this class a blower only class. It was as we were signing the contract, they were, you know, we'd gone back and forth on numbers and number of races and what we were commercials and all the BS that kind of goes around or uh, with a title sponsorship. And, and as we're doing that, they're like, Hey, we've decided. And the manufacturers uh, decided they want this thing to be, it's too confusing to have all of these, you know, naturally aspirated cars and then uh, the blower cars run and then bring the two together and run it like stock eliminator. It's, it's not as exciting as it should be. And we're like, well, you know, that kind of takes us out that, that knocks me out because I'm not, going to go build a blower car where it's naturally aspirated car and and we don't have enough time right now it's already january we we can't get a car together for the gators uh and they're like hey you know but this is what we're going to do so we signed the contract and and uh and within a week nhra you know announced hey the factory stock showdown is going to go to blower only and i got text messages from my good friend roger allen at gm and a, and a couple other racers um what the hell are y'all doing y'all come on as a title sponsor and i have to explain i'm like i don't have a blower car guys i didn't make this call <laughs> this your was something fault, that was Brian. already going to happen right <laughs> and so i i there were a lot of angry racers who were like hey i just spent x amount of dollars on uh all these parts for this new copo dr engine what the hell are y'all doing and i was like uh i just did the exact same thing so you know, there's there's some of that in in our, in our first year. I think we were at four races with with eight cars, and we were still in stock eliminator. And you know, behind the scenes, I'm 
trying to explain the NHRA. We don't need to be, we need to be our own eliminator race. We've got to get out of stock. I know that we're based in stock, but, but there's things that we need to be able to do that stockers can't do. And, and if we can do this, then we can't go back in the stock race. And, and so, I mean, you, I don't know if people remember this, but there was a couple of years where there were these stockers, which were factory stock cars that were on the top of the stock eliminator sheet because they were running so quick under their indexes. And so we, I, I can remember getting kicked out um, or, or, you know, cars getting kicked into stock eliminator when they really had no business being in stock eliminator. They were too quick. And it was really a big difference between if something happened to a car and at the time, I mean, they were, they weren't really the seven second cars that they are now by any stretch of the imagination, but it, an eight second car coming up against a, a 14 second car that that wouldn't have been very good if something had happened on the track, you know, that's just too big of a difference. And the NHRA made the right call because of safety concerns and everything else. And, and just to kind of ease the confusion. And then from there, we, you know, 2017, 2018, we added a couple more races um, you started to see some bigger names and, and people taking the class more serious. You know, um, uh, like I said, our first champion was David Barton. Um, and I guess we've, we've had four champions in our, in our five years. It was a Chevy with David Barton. And then, uh, Leah comes in and her Dodge and, and kind of ran away with it. And then, uh, we had, uh, the Skillman team, uh, drew winning his championship and, and then Aaron winning his championship. It's just, it's been, you know, Every manufacturer has won one, uh, at least one title in our tenure here, and and uh, it's it's been a really really interesting thing. I mean, you kind of go back and you look at where this class started and what we were hoping to accomplish with the class, and it was really just for us. It was a way to get our students involved in the NHRA, uh, get them you know real experience at the track, so that when a team calls up and says hey we need somebody who knows how one to drive a, a rig who knows how to set up things at the track who knows what it's like to be at the track you know and suddenly our our students are my crew or or hey i know where the black trailer is for credentials i know how to deal with getting into the track i know what the difference in parking passes are and all that stuff seems like silly stuff that a crew shouldn't have to know but if i don't have to spend an hour teaching somebody how to do that and they're already self-sufficient it was it was always beneficial. And so that, that's kind of why we got involved. And like I said, it was a class that we ran. Uh, we were building engines for, uh, for uh, Glenn Pushes out, out of Indiana. Um, he was a great partner that just, you know, for work reasons, we last year he wasn't able to really compete. And he, he raced more in the NMCA, but it was always a fun thing. And it was kind of our way of getting the students involved with the blower cars. I mean, it's, it's something that, you know, our history was always with this, uh, my dad's orange car, that 99 Camaro, that it was a stick car and it was naturally aspirated and um, ran eight O's at 170 miles an hour. And, and so that was something that from 99 until 2013, 2014 was running, you know, all the time. And when this Copo came out and I started driving and racing, we kind of switched focus to that and, and looking more into the NHRA. And then obviously, you know, kind of jumping into this class head on and, and uh, kind of helping guide it. And, and again, I didn't have any say. They just kind of were like, hey, what do you think about going to these tracks? Um, and they already had their mind made up on schedules, but they would at least uh, give me the courtesy of, of uh, having input. But, um, but the NHRA was always calling the shots, and they always had the racers' uh, best interest in mind, it seemed like. And, and you know, that was, I think, that uh, the manufacturers had, had their interest uh, at the times, and, but it was always a good class for – 
uh, getting all three of the American big three um, involved back into the sportsman categories. And, and it's so funny to kind of think of this class as a sportsman, especially when you look at the, the, the history and the lineage of, of who our champions are and where else they're, they're racing. You know, I mean, Aaron, one of the coolest moments was Aaron doubling up in Houston, winning what would have been the St. Louis race. And then the, the pro stock race at the same event. I mean, that that's, that's history being made right there. You know, I think it's only happened three times and one other driver's done it, you know, it's uh, it's, so there's, there's a lot of history and a lot of really, really interesting characters and people in this class and i mean if you've listened to this podcast you've heard uh, a lot of interesting stories and just hey it's these are normal people with day jobs and, and companies that they run or they work for and and this is their weekend hobby and and so i get it they are sportsmen but they are not treating it as though it is a sportsman category i can tell you that much and i mean you, you hear the stories yeah. you know you, you talk to these people firsthand and and you kind of see okay well man, this, everyone knows that this isn't a cheap class to get involved in. And, and that was never our intention was to kind of get this class to this where there are giant names involved in it and, and people with, you know, not infinite amount of money, but there's some people who this is what they spend all their money on and, and they make a lot of money and they are going to go spend it and they're going to do everything they can to win races and, and go rounds. And, and so it's, um, been interesting to kind of see this class go from what it was before we got involved to what it is today and what it will be tomorrow you know um and uh it, it's it's been an interesting five years to say the least yes uh well there's there's a, a lot to unpack because you're obviously <laughs> looking back uh you know reflectively you're like, like kind of taking back taking in uh the the entire uh run and, you know, perhaps uh, there's information there, but uh, uh, I'm thinking about, you know, what was this supposed to be? And it's a perfect example of the drag racing mentality that we all love and appreciate, but it can also cause major issues. Like, let's make a class where somebody who... You know, clearly well-heeled folks are going to be able to do this, can, can go to General Motors and order uh, from the uh, central office a Camaro and go race it. And Ford and Dodge will do the same thing. And it'll be like a factory racing series. And like on paper, what a great idea. Yeah, man, you go to the store, car store, and you buy a drag race car from the drag race car store and you go race it. Wow, it'll be great. And it was and it is. But then the drag racer mentality takes over and guys with knowledge and square footage and equipment and machinery, uh, they buy the car and then they take it completely apart and they build it back better than it ever was to begin with because they're specialists. And now we're in a different, we're on a different planet. It might as well be a, you know, a top fuel dragster or a pro stalker or a, you know, a, its own version of a formula one car. Everything that can be done, regardless of cost, expense or man hours is done to make sure the car will go fast, go quick, react quickly, perform under, various circumstances and that's drag racer mentality and it's really hard to turn that off you can't turn it off and that's where the push pull has been in the category guys like drew tell told us a hundred times on the podcast like you can't go backwards you can't slow us down you won't slow us down we want to go faster we will go faster until they decided to stop racing and then we just heard from aaron talk about 
180 miles an hour in a 3,500-pound car. He wants to do it. He'd love to do it, but it's not for everybody. And right. there's the push-pull, the rub. Yeah, there is. And and that was always one of the, the things. You know, we would have these driver meetings at PRI, and just it was sometimes the manufacturers would be in the room, and sometimes the NHRA would be in the room. And, and I, I kind of put those together just so that, we could hear what everybody wanted and where everybody wanted the class to go. Um, we, 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 the, that was kind of my role with the class was kind of to be the voice for the drivers. Now that's not to say that the drivers didn't call Ned or, or, uh, or Josh or, or anybody who would listen. Um, but they would, you know, talk to me and they'd talk to their manufacturer reps and, and they'd say, Hey, we need this. We need this. This is what it needs to be. You know, and that's kind of where you saw, changes in blowers, you know, I, um, uh, or, or whatever it might be on the car, but, um, it, it was this ever evolving in the way that the rule book is, you have to introduce a new car before you introduce a new part. And that's why you didn't see these changes from Dodge. I think that there's still people that don't understand that, but like, Hey, in the middle of the season, we can't put a new blower into place based on these rules that the NHRA are following for these classes. Um, uh, now, whether that's right, wrong, or whatever, it, it doesn't matter. That was the way that it was presented. And so there there was always kind of that push and pull, like you were saying. And with the Mustangs, they didn't release one every year. They did it every two years. The Camaros since, or the Copos since 2012, there was one every year. Um, I, they might be taking next year off. I don't know. Um, but, you know, there were things that we put in the rule book to make it so that if you had a 2012, you could go and get the technology of a 2019, a 2020, and put in that car. Now that car is going to be heavier. It's going to be stiffer. It's going to be, well, they're not going to be heavier. I shouldn't say that they're going to be heavier from the factory. And so you can't move the weight around where you want to put it, but um, it's, it's just a bigger car with it. And so it, you were at a disadvantage if you were doing that. So there were people that were, Hey, there's a new body. I got to have it. I got to put the money in. I got to put this cage in. We got to take this out. We got to do that. We got to do this. Um, You know, it's got to go to this suspension guy. It's got to go get a transmission from there. And, and, and then they would try everything else out again. And so every two years, you're turning over your entire fleet of cars in some cases. And, and it, it, it got expensive for some folks, and it, it got expensive uh, really as a whole. But it, that's just the way that racing kind of progresses, um, at least in a, in a class like this. Again, I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's wrong. But the manufacturers all wanted um, – their company to win a title and and they all got one in their in that three-year span um and so it it became a arms race between okay what are we going to allow what how much is this going to cost can we get 50 blowers can we get 100 blowers can we get 200 blowers if we've got 20 racers racing this and they need spares well why do they how many spares do they need that kind of stuff so um, it became, okay, who's making the cylinder heads? Where are these heads going to come from? You know, that, that kind of stuff just was going on behind the scenes. And um, it became, okay, well, who's getting what? Where is this stuff? How is the NHRA going to keep up with all of this change so quickly in a class? But at the end of the day, we had eight races on the schedule, eight weekends out of the year. Yeah, That's crazy, the amount of energy and effort that goes into this. And it's like you said, they, these guys are running it as though it's one of the uh, camping world series classes. There, there is no stop in any of these guys and gals vocabularies, whether that's the owners or that's the crew or that's the driver. It, it didn't matter. It, it's just, this is what they took pride in. And again, you saw some really, really good racers win some amazing championships and amazing races and, and some great engine builders do it, getting away with 
things that I didn't ever think would be possible to run the numbers that we were running with the, the combinations that we had. But it is just a testament to how good these, these engine builders are and how far the technology is coming. It, it's crazy to think of where we started even before we got involved in the class to where we are today and where it's going, you know, next year, once those Dodges get on the track, what, what are we going to be seeing and how are we going to keep up and all that kind of stuff? So it's, it, it is, it is a, a very passionate class for something that only really has eight races a year. Now you can obviously go run in the NMCA and pick up a couple of extra races here and there uh, when we don't overlap or, or, you know, if there's enough time between races, and I know that a lot of our racers do that. They they run in, in both series. And, and, man, that is a hell of a schedule because of how fast-paced it is and, and no no rest for the weary kind of thing there. But um, but this has always been a fun class. And you kind of saw with the NMCA where they, they followed the NHRA rules and then they kind of came out and said, no, you know, we're going to do a couple things differently. Um, and I, I think for the NMCA-style racer, that, that was probably the right call to make. Uh, no, no offense to any NMCA racers. I mean, hell, that was who we were for 15, 20 years. Um, and, and I still go and race over there. So there, there's no offense there. It's not like it's a junior league or anything like that. Cause there's some really good racers that are still racing over there. So, um, it's, it, this class is, is really taken on a life of its own. And, and, um, and I mean that in the best way possible. It, it's fun to see the progression over the last five years and what it's going to be doing for the next five years and beyond that. So, um, it is, it is very interesting the way that, um, you know, the manufacturers have gotten involved in this sportsman class. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's fun to see. And, and again, it is, it was always, my goal was always to have as many Fords, as many Chevys and as many Dodges in there as possible. And now that becomes really tough when there's just simply more Chevrolets readily available. And now I think that maybe there's going to be some, people that maybe jump ship to the new Dodges. Um, I think that you might see the return of some of these Fords um, next year that, that for one reason or another weren't with us, whether that was COVID related or, or business decision related, they might be back next year. We'll see. Um, but I, I think that this class is a lot of room to grow. And, uh, and, and, you know, the NHRA has kind of given it the, the space to do that. You know, we, we have, we never really hit that 32 number, at the at the u.s nationals that i'd hoped for and and uh we never got on the track as a four wide and and that's kind of a bummer you know and they they don't have a four wide on the schedule for next year which again not my call i I didn't have any say in the schedule for next season um but uh but they're going to be at a couple at least one new track i know denver's on there let me yeah, well, let's take, let's gonna... let's dive in on on that note um, because okay. I want to I want to transition to the future for our listeners out there. A couple of things, just okay. notes. Since you're a podcast listener, folks, Brian's dad Judson was a guest on another podcast that I do that I think you will really enjoy because uh, I joke with Brian about how his dad and his parents are are cooler than he is, and you will it's you will love it. It's called Hidden Horsepower. It's a Total Seal podcast that I produce, but your dad talks about the school, Sam Tech, talks about the whole, like, how he got started, how he met your mom, and most importantly, you know, machining, becoming a machinist, and what it takes. It's very interesting for the podcast audience, so check that out. Gainesville is where we start. Then Houston, then yeah, North- a, lot of, a lot of time off between Gainesville and Houston, and and 
you know, I, I kind of understand why going going out uh, west is always a bit tricky, especially early in the season. So uh, I kind of understand that that call. But and everyone yeah. needs to remember that Gainesville starts the Camping World Drag Racing Series season in 2021. Right. Uh, it, the the yep. whole schedule, I'll give it, is Gainesville, Atlanta, Pomona, hopefully Las Vegas. Phoenix, Charlotte, then Houston, where Factory Stock rejoins for the second race of their season. Then Richmond, Epping. There is a to-be-determined date still on there that is hopefully going to be Bristol. We shall see. Then Norwalk and Denver, Factory Stock returns. But Norwalk and Denver back-to-back for Factory Stock and back-to-back in general. Um, So there's back-to-back races. Then Sonoma, Seattle, that's NHRA Western Swing. And then down to Topeka, Kansas, Factory Stock returns. Uh, Brainerd, Indy, Factory Stock in Indy. Then Redding, Charlotte 2, St. Louis, Factory Stock, penultimate race. Dallas, final race, Vegas, Factory Stock, final race. Uh, Pomona too would be, oh, the factory stocks final race would be in Vegas again. Yeah, yes. it will. Yeah. That's, that's a good schedule. So you got Gainesville where we've always opened our season. Um, like you said, that that's going to be the season opener for the NHRA this year too. Um, hopefully there's some vaccines available for people and we, we can actually get that race in. unlike what we had to go through this year. And I think that's a, that was a really good call on the NHRA to kind of say, we're going to wait, uh, an extra little bit of time here to get things going uh, in the right direction and make sure that everybody's safe and everything like that. And, uh, then obviously Houston, um, never have a problem with that track. Seth and, uh, and, and Austin will have that track ready again, like they did this year. Uh, Norwalk is always a great track. Denver will be a challenge. I will say, um, it's just at altitude with those blowers, it's going to be a completely different setup than anything. These drivers have, have had to, uh, deal with before now, I don't know if that means that Kramer is going to have uh, an advantage there because that's home for them. And I think they kind of do a little bit of testing up there. Um, but uh, that will Denver will definitely be uh, a little bit of a challenge for these racers. And I, I know the engine builders are up for it, but it'll be a much different race, um, especially compared to, to Houston and Gainesville. Uh, and then where did we say Topeka going back to Topeka? Um a lot of space in the pits and a lot of driving there uh, just to get to the lanes. Yeah. Uh, the U.S. Nationals, uh, I don't know if there'll be a 32-car field there or not this year. Like I said, the last couple of years, we haven't really met that uh, that number. Hopefully, uh, they'll, they'll let everything stay that way with, uh, and give us a shot at getting 32. St. Louis, I think St. Louis has been on the schedule as long as uh, as long as I can remember. And then uh, finishing off in Vegas, uh, at Vegas 2, um, you know, I think that the drivers really enjoyed that, uh, the experience of being out in Vegas. I know I did this past year. Um, it's a track that I, I hadn't been to and, uh, they did it. They put on a great show. And, uh, and like I said, I, I know that our drivers, um, enjoyed themselves out there for sure. And it wasn't even the uh, real but, experience. That wasn't even the real no, Vegas was, experience. Right, no, 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 it wasn't at all. <laughs> it wasn't at all. You know, it, it's weird to have Halloween weekend and, it looked like a normal Tuesday in Vegas to me. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it was still fun and it, it's always great kind of, you know, we had, we'd crowned our champion, um, already. We knew that it was going to be Aaron, but, uh, that didn't make it. Nobody took that race off, took it lightly, you know, anything like that. It was, it was good to have that race there and kind of, uh, following in the, 
in the pro mod footsteps of ending your season out west and being able to kind of celebrate there is always uh is always a good time absolutely all right so final thoughts on uh the the future where we're going and then i'll ask you for your holiday message to our listeners out there but yeah. like t- tie it all together what's the the future for for sam and showdown and of course it's been a great well, launch no it has you know we we've had a, a great five-year run and this was kind of always our number was five years and and the nhra has been an amazing partner um, just obviously, you know, it, it sounds cliche and it sounds hokey to say, you know, the friends you've made along the way is, is really the best thing. But, you know, in addition to bringing new students into the school and, and getting some, maybe some people who didn't know about us and getting our, our graduates jobs in, in, on teams. And, and we've always had graduates on teams in the NHRA, but some of the smaller shops that might not have known us who or new shops that were looking for uh, potential employees and some of our students starting their own shops and, and kind of working in this NHRA world. Um, that's, that's really been the takeaways of why we got into this. And like I said, we've, we've had a great five-year run, but uh, this will be 2020 will have been our, our last season as a title sponsor. Um, we're going to, we're going to take some time away from being a title sponsor of the class. Now that doesn't mean that we're leaving the NHRA. I've, we're working on stuff on my Copo to go stock eliminator racing. And, and we've got uh, Brandon Bakey's stalkers and super stalkers and his dads and, and some other uh, friend stuff that we work on the, the Fords and, and uh, their, their Fords. Um, but uh, so we're not leaving the NHRA in any capacity. We're just, we're going to step aside from being the title sponsor of the class. Um, NHRA, like I said, was a great partnership. Um, we, we uh, really appreciate everything that everybody did um, from bringing us in at PRI back in 2015 and talking about how do we get booth space and what's it cost and all that kind of stuff to, to being the title sponsor of the class um, that had a lot of eyes on it, a lot of interest because of who was racing in it. You know, uh, uh, we crowned some great champions and, and we look forward to seeing the success of this class for years to come. I, I really do think that there's a lot of interest in it, whether that's, uh, from the racer standpoint, from the fan standpoint, from the driver standpoint, it, it, it doesn't matter. There's, there's a lot of eyes on this class now, but, uh, but no, it's, it's been a good five-year run. I think we accomplished what we wanted to set out to accomplish, get the Sam tech name out there. We were coming off of being Sam racing and, and kind of wanted to promote the, the CNC and the tuning classes a little bit more and kind of showcase what our students are able to do. And in, in that class, this class really, helped us do that you know you've interviewed our graduates and you've talked to people who have our graduates on their teams and and uh it's it's you know it's something that my dad always says that he doesn't have an ego his ego is how successful his students are doing and you can't really go through the pits of any successful team whether that's in factory stock or uh in in the camping world series uh with without running into one of our graduates somewhere on the team now that's not to say that there aren't people that aren't successful without us, but um, I, I like to think that we make people's jobs a lot easier when they hire Sam Tech graduates. Absolutely. And uh, hearing it through his own words was uh, pretty amazing and made me feel really great about what we have done the past couple of years here with Factory Stock Podcast and kind of going in the new media well, direction and having uh, you know fans and, and competitors come up 
at the races and, you know, talk about what they heard other people say, talk a little bit about, uh, you know, the fact that there there was a podcast and that we we were able to dive into the category. I really appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity to do this. And I really believe that this is we have witnessed, uh, you know, even though and it's very disappointing that we lost some Fords this year. And I understand why I get it. They're kind of going in a different direction. And those cars are getting so quick and fast. And NHRA, I know where they're coming from. And so we're we're on two slightly different tracks here. But yet and still, the launch of this new class of factory car drag racing at the highest level in the NHRA and being able to cover it up close has been an honor. It has been great. It has been fun. It's amazing what we're seeing, hearing the battles between Bo and Drew and now Aaron and just everybody coming on, seeing Cowboy Mark Powell come back, seeing Leah Pruitt go on, become a champion, all of those things. It's all factory stock showdown, and you guys were there for all of it. Uh, so congratulations to you and Samtech for putting together an excellent program. And wherever it goes from now on, wherever it goes, you guys are part of those foundational early years. Uh, and that is that is amazing. So, all right, let's let's uh, bring it home with a holiday thought from Brian Massengill to the audience out there. Well, before I do that, I do want to say, Joe, you know, when, when you approached me about kind of doing something to get the because you were you were around these drivers and you knew what kind of characters they were and you knew that if you put a mic in one of their in their faces they would have some good stories to tell about this class and everything like that and this you know we you and I kind of sat down and said okay well how can we do this how can we uh, you know kind of showcase these drivers and and that was what we wanted to do it, it it obviously it's about promotion for the school and all that stuff yada 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 but these drivers are putting so much effort and energy into this class that. I wanted them to have a voice. I wanted them to be able to tell their story, gain fans, gain some momentum. And, and, uh, and, and I think that, you know, when, when you reached out to me and said, Hey, let's do this. And, and it was, it's been a great partnership working with you for these last couple of years. Um, it, it's been awesome. And, and kind of getting to hear everybody's stories. Cause I know, uh, um, we, uh, we've had the, the opportunity to tell these these stories for these last couple of years but there's there's going to be more stories to tell for sure and uh the class isn't going anywhere just because sam tech is but uh but if, if i'm sending out a holiday message i do want to thank everybody as, as i always do you know i, I want to thank the racers and and the the crews and the teams and the owners and everything like that but i want to thank the fans and everybody who listens to the podcast and you joe and everybody at the nhra uh, i do want to say happy holidays and and uh and stay safe out there. We're, we're, we're not through all this stuff yet. So be smart, stay safe. Same thing that we've always done. Um, but uh, it, it's been a, it's been an incredible five years. And, and I, I sincerely thank you for your patronage and your support of not just the class, but these these teams and and uh, everything else that's been going on. And, and I really do think that uh, the, the, this class is going to keep growing uh, from Brian Massengill and you know, my parents, uh, thank you for letting us be a part of this class. And uh, everyone at Sam Tech, thank you for uh, hiring our graduates and, and getting people in uh, into the job force and, and employed and everything like that. So I, I want to say happy holidays to everybody who listens. Um, so thank you again for everything. And, uh, Joe, happy holidays to you. And, and like I said, you've been an amazing partner these last couple of years, and I appreciate you. Uh, coming up with the idea for this this podcast and letting me be a part of it and letting these drivers have a voice. They are characters, to say the least, and hard workers and innovators 
and they are the heroes just like, you know, the John Forces and the Jungle Gyms. They, they just drive a, a car that looks a little different. They're in a different area, and they don't have cameras around them all the time. And so uh, we, we have to bring it to them, and I believe that they have lived up to the bill. I love the cars, the sound, the speed. There's definitely fury. There's on-track action, and uh, we have covered it uh, from the inside out which is great stuff. Brian, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for always coming on, allowing me to lean on you, by the way, making you do a lot of the heavy lifting with uh, controversies and tough stuff. We've had a lot of fun. It has been great. Happy holidays to you and your family. Merry Christmas. Enjoy the uh, the winter break. And of course, you know, Gainesville is not that far away. And as you mentioned, vaccines, we're seeing you can't, you can't, look at any news media without seeing vaccines going out light at the end of the tunnel all of that stuff i know i'll be super excited to get mine whenever my opportunity comes so brian thank you very much really appreciate this whole uh whole episode here on factory stock podcast happy holidays to you and your family and thank you so much thanks joe as always it's a pleasure talking to you Thank you, Brian. Brian Massengill with us here on factory stock podcast the folks at sam tech such a great job over the first years of this class. What will happen in the future? I'm super excited to find out, but they definitely did a great job. And to all of you listeners of the samtech.edu factory stock podcast who joined us a couple of years ago when we launched and have been following along, I know that many of the guys and gals that work in the category behind the scenes and in, in front of the scenes listen to the show to hear what people have to say. And it's been it's real interesting the way it has all worked out. I think about when we first got started and we wanted to feature one of each manufacturer and just the way things developed, it kind of took on a, a life of its own. I myself, speaking for only me, Look back to when the Cobra Jets had 302 cubic inches in the end of that season. And I feel as if we were really good right there. But, of course, we wanted to go faster. We wanted some new technology. The reasons behind all of that, you know, those are in in many ways still unknown to me. But when we evolved beyond that and all of a sudden the – dual overhead cam platform was capable and we've now seen Chris Holbrook ran 50s and says there's capable of of 40s and we got a hidden horsepower episode that is coming up that he talks about the endless potential of that platform and has since sold his factory stock showdown car to move into a pro mod type situation with a billet coyote etc um It's just a very tough deal. But what I would say is I will echo what Brian has just said and what Aaron Stanfield said. Stick with the category. Let's continue to see what happens because there is nothing like it. Factory cars, the brand identification, and being able to root for a Mustang or root for a Camaro or root for a Challenger has been interesting to me. It has been a great honor to be able to connect and feature and highlight some of the big personalities that make this category go from engine builders to chassis builders to racers and talking to Drew Skillman a lot last year, talking to Aaron Stanfield a lot this year. It has been fantastic and fun and to watch everybody kind of blossom out and go in different directions and see this class elevated to something special. Been awesome. Of course, 2020, very tough year, clearly. Didn't ever build the kind of momentum and certainly not racing in front of the massive crowds that we are normally used to. What I do know is that the racers and teams that are in this class, in this series, 
are very intense. You heard Aaron and talking about his dad. They are ready to go back out. I know that uh, the folks that have been supporting the category for many years are going to continue, and there'll be new people coming in, and we're going to get to know them as well. I want to say thank you so much. My name is Joe Costello, WFO Joe on Twitter and on Instagram. I also do a podcast called WFO Radio, like wide freaking open. We talk NHRA drag racing and motorsports of all kinds on our Ignition podcast. Would love to hear from you guys over there. We're also on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and SoundCloud. You can listen to that show as well. It's more of a weekly show. Like you got to get in the groove and it will be good. As I mentioned, Judd Massengill in one of the Hidden Horsepower episodes. You're obviously podcast listeners. You're getting to the final minute of this podcast. And so we appreciate you. Thanks to Aaron Stanfield. Thanks to that whole team over there at Stanfield Racing Engines. Thank you so much to all of the listeners. Thank you to Samtech.edu, Brian and Judd and Linda and everybody over there who has supported this podcast. And uh, I'm excited to see what the future holds. In the meantime, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. See you on the other side. Start your education at full speed with the School of Automotive Machinists and Technology. Accelerate your career as a high-performance engine builder with classroom instruction and practical hands-on experience in the lab, on the dyno, and at the track. In addition to the Blockhead and CNC programs, Sam now offers motorsport EFI tuning and an Associates of Applied Science degree. And Sam is a military-friendly school, approved to train veterans and other eligible persons under the GI Bill. Start your education at full speed. Go to samtech.edu today.